0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Frights of the Roundtable. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody. Um, unfortunately, our co-host, Megan, could not um, join us tonight. Uh, She's busy actually doing some onset work, so that's great for her. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure this may be the last episode of this year, but we are uh, planning to come back next year pretty much with a vengeance, so um, get ready for that. Um, but until then we've got our awesome guests tonight lined up. Uh we've got uh Justin Price here. How
0: you doing, Justin? Oh my god, I'm doing great, man. How you doing?
1: Doing fantastic. All right.
0: Um so first of all, I want you to tell
1: the audience like a little bit about you know, who you are as a filmmaker, like how did um you get into this business and kind of like what 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 inspires
0: you as a as a filmmaker? Well, uh, first thing is uh, just thank you for having me on, and happy holidays to everyone, to the listeners. And we're gonna, you know, try to kick this show's ass. I don't know what we can cuss out on this, but, but yeah, let's yeah you some, can. We're gonna have a little fun. Fair enough, right? <laughs> like as soon as you said blog talk, or was gonna introduce you. I was gonna just go into like an ass-ass tirade or something. But um, <laughs> here we go. I I, I got started actually. Um, I was an actor and I still am, um, and I think the the first part that happened was I wanted to do things that were different from what I was seeing. And it's so weird because in my small town, Blakely, Georgia, um, right before I moved to California, the only thing that we saw were, I guess, sort of the, the sort of boys in the hood type of films, right? Where everyone was either telling the stories about coming up, growing up in the hardships of the streets, um and etc so i said man i want to go to california because i did not want to tell just that side of my story uh as an as an actor as an artist i didn't want to be cast as you know thug number one or or the funny guy number two and the first thing i got when i got out to la was thug number one <laughs> funny guy <laughs> number two like everything i cast it work like, Yo, can you can you come out and, and and you know black this up i remember a director telling me to black up a scene can you black it up a little what?
1: bit? So was, wait, wait, wait! Did he actually
0: say that? Yeah, he said. He said, "Black it up." Yeah, can you can you black it up a little bit? I said, like, "Yeah, all right, sure." Uh, was he? I'll figure was, that he out. was he white? He was white. He was a white guy. Oh yeah. my god, so, dude!
1: So well, I mean, he
0: didn't know what to. You know, it was just like ah, I kind of got what he was saying. I was like, "All right, cool. Let's make it a little more, you know, a little more black, if you will." Um, I, know, I know, and I and you you kind of learn to to go, man. The people are talking to you in a way where they just don't have the time to sort of get into the nuances of what they really want to say. So sometimes the castings, and we're talking like 2000 and like what ten, haven't been that long, you know. I, I moved out to Cali, I was like 15, you know. So um, the, the castings used to be hot chick must be ready to show bre- you know, show t- You know what I mean? It was like the the casting itself was was pretty much damn near derogatory, you know, like dumb bimbo, blonde, big tits, like that was the the casting. It was like, oh my god, I fit this perfectly. So I was, I was like, it was like, it was a weird like way of people were just going at whatever they needed to get. And so what I saw was, I said, you know what, um, I should just pick up a camera and sort of tell a story instead of waiting on someone to tell a story, you know. And uh, when you don't have any sort of producing cousins, friends, or uncles, or, you know, someone that, that owns the color blue uh, <laughs> that can give you financing to do something, you're pretty much trying to rely on um, other people's knowledge or other people's mistakes or friends or, or what you saw on TV or what you heard in passing. Because, uh, again, we're talking like 2009-ish, 2010 you know, and, and oddly enough, the world was just a little different. You know, Google wasn't as... Fun, the internet wasn't as fast. Phones didn't have the capabilities of, of being able to search. and You know what I mean? So it was just a whole different world. Um, So I picked up the camera, and I just started shooting, man. And it was the craziest thing, because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, and I was like, you know what? It's very scary, because I didn't want to do a horror movie, which would have been a lot easier, like a cabin movie or something, you know, where we just have, like, yeah. five people... Kill him in a living room, you know what I mean. Get some ketchup, blood, food coloring, or something. But I tried to do a spy movie, which I don't know why. Because uh, so, <laughs> I just wanted to be, you know, like, let's do something different. So I did a spy film. Mm-hmm. We had a good time, and and we just um, I self distributed. So everything that we're doing now, let me just fast forward to 2018. Everything we're doing now, 2018. I was doing like in 2008, 2009, 2010, which was I would make a movie, put it online. Uh, self-distribute, try to tell a story that was um, sort of this independent version of a bigger story, whatever it was. I like, man, we can't do that, but we can do this. And so I built up a sort of a um, my own blueprint of how to make a film because, again, back then the middle of the, of the film industry still existed, so no one wanted to mess with a film that was under a million, un- under $500. You told someone you were doing a movie for seventy-five grand, or Fifty grand or thirty grand, they thought you were just again playing with 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 the money. Snacks. It must have been a joke, um, because cameras weren't as, as expensive. Uh, they weren't as cheap to rent now. So that that became like my my sort of model as I was going forward in my career. Man, I just wanted to to basically tell stories, you know, in a nutshell. And I saw an opportunity to tell those stories in my POV. So man, I just I just said to get him, just gonna pick up the damn camera. And, and go at it. And that's how I got started. I know it's kind of a long-winded question, kind of a long-winded answer. Because it's like asking me, you know, how, how did you fall in love with it? Yeah, <laughs> so, that's, no, that's right. Yeah. And
1: and that is sort of like, you know, falling in love. Because I'm sure you fell in love with, with filmmaking at that particular moment and everything. Yeah, you know, like doing all that.
0: Oh my God! You have to! You have to! You have to fall in love with it because you, you people are trusting you, man. They're trusting you with their time. You know, I was I was using a handy cam at the time. There's no lenses, no lights. Had softbox lights from eBay. That was the shit back then. Uh, clamp mm-hmm. lights from Home Depot, and we were just making shit happen. It didn't I didn't even know what we were doing, and it was one of those things where the passion of it all uh, just drove us to go, man. We made a dope ass film. And and the whole package and everything, just so I, I just never lost that energy. I never lost sight of that, um, that sort of independent spirit of of making something. Yeah, that's
1: that's great. So uh, let's let's go into. I want to I want to go touch more on that spy film that you made because um, mm-hmm. you know as as you even said that a. Uh, spy film was not something that a typical low budget independent filmmaker would would try to do first. You know that's probably something they would try to do after they've done a horror film or or whatnot. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that spy film and kind yeah. of like maybe the obstacles that you had to face as one of your first feature films?
0: Yeah, it's, it's hilarious, man. So what happened with the spy film was called Hump the People's Agency. And uh, you'll never get a copy of it because I only made, I think, the limited edition. It was like, what, 50 copies of that thing made self-distributed, like 100 copies. I have no clue. (laughs) But what happened was, uh, and this plot line has been taken a lot. I I saw it coming, and I think everyone kind of did, but I I just made it first. It was essentially this microchip um, that would be able to control traffic lights, all of our energy sources and power and da-da-da. And uh, it's about this guy who had access to the microchip design, and he was a, a an essentially a, a a nerd, if you will. So in order for him mm-hmm. to give up the information, he had to get laid. So as a team of people who uh, who are all who are all part of this hacking program that created accidentally this microchip that can control essentially the world's computers, because again, this is like two thousand nine, two thousand eight. So I just saw that fear coming, like essentially the computers are going to catch up to us in a way where where everything is going to be digitized from, again, traffic lights to sewage systems, et cetera. So they accidentally created this microchip called Black Magic, and uh, Lloyd, the geek that helped with the design, was like, hey, guys, if you guys want to know where the microchip is, I want to hook up with this girl who I like a lot. So they use all the CIA skills to get him to go on dates you know what I mean? Talking his ear to tell him what to say. These kind of things. <laughs> all the meanwhile, Bo, the guy who has the microchip, is trying to sell it on the black market. So, I mean, you can imagine I'm casting people, right? And we have, like, 15 people there. And I'm like, all right, everybody, here we go. We got to set up. You're in suit. There's people, like, there in suits and briefcases, like the scene you see in the movies. And then I pull out this handy cam. I'm talking, like, the size of my hand. And you know they're like, what the? F-? Like, yeah, we're shooting. Yeah, they're like, okay. Are you ser- are you serious? Like, yeah, yeah. This is a real movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no boom guy. There's no, you know, just me holding his handicap, <laughs> No wow. tripod. So they were like, lo- like you could just see they were losing their mind because they were like, why are you doing this? Like, this doesn't make. This is gonna look like the crappiest movie I've ever seen. But uh, it did not. It actually came out fun like it was very weird because I was at that even at that time seeing certain things that I wanted to do um just didn't have the tool set and that goes for everyone anyone listening and uh don't let them fool you there's people out there to me I believe that the artist that can paint with anything is a much greater painter than someone that can paint with all the tools um most right. of the time, you know, most of these guys, they, they get in, there's no shade on them, it's just reality. Most of these people throw their names on stuff, and they get all excited about favorite directors and things. I'm like, gosh, they had $100 million. I could do, I can say action and cut if all the other jobs are going to be taken care of. You know what I mean? It doesn't knock vision, mm-hmm. but it, it's not that difficult to to pull off a car chase if you have the damn car. You know what I mean? Like, if you have the stunt team that's been preparing for months, uh, it ain't that hard. It's not that difficult. So I see people usually get so frustrated um, when they're making their films, independent artists, and they're like, man, damn, I just, I get lost. So I never I never did that. So when I was making the People's Agency, I knew I didn't have the tool. You, you know what I mean? So there was no point mm-hmm. in trying to, like, destroy myself and think, man, this is crap. Or this is that. I'm like, dude, you don't even have lenses. So if this movie is even, you can see stuff. If <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can see things, and you've accomplished a lot. if You get this thing in the can. So the obstacle that I faced was that. It was the actors having sort of this idea that because I'm not shooting on a big camera, uh, I'm not using a big crew, um, you know, it doesn't look the way they think it should look. Then they were all very confused as to what we were doing. So I had to spend most of my time convincing them that I knew what the hell I was doing. Um, and then, obviously, budgetary concerns about things I didn't know would come up, like deliverables, uh, post sound, ADR. I'd never done ADR, so I didn't even know we needed to do mm-hmm. it. I just thought the camera could pick it up from that far. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it couldn't. Yeah, there was just so much that was going on. And I wasn't a complete aloof to the idea. I needed a boom. I'm just saying I just didn't think it mattered, if that makes sense. Like, I was like, you know what? This movie's not going to go to theaters. We can probably hear the sound. Decent. But when you turn it up really loud, you can hear the cars in the back. So that's a lot of technical aspects of the film came in, but more so just, again, the mental part, just, like, how do you motivate people? Because that's what you really are doing. You're motivating people to follow your vision, to execute that. So I think those are my main obstacles. How do I get people on one page, one accord? To to see that hey we gotta look past the instruments that we are allowed at right now and let's just make some dope shit. Mhm.
1: Do you uh so uh, as far as as filmmaker now, I mean I'm I'm guessing you feel like you've learned like a lot since since those days of just shooting you know just shooting a movie on mm-hmm. the limb and just trying to make something you know on on a very very low budget. You know, as opposed to something where you're actually like really making something that you're you're pretty proud of. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I have. I have. And um it's 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 odd. I mean, I started a company, you know, Picture Zero Entertainment, that's that's the name of my production company, my producing partner, Coo, Deanna Grace, Congo, David, Cosmos, Lisa May, Vega, J D. Ellis. So I have a team of people now that help me sort of realize a lot of what we're trying to accomplish you, you see what i mean i think it really came down to that not having a strong team at first was was imperative to like me um, sort of shotgunning my way through this whole thing at the beginning um but now and this is a weird thing man um i make i can make something really great and now i've run into uh, i've become a victim of our, of my own success because we created the blueprint so sometimes when I'm making something, it's just, it gets so crazy, man, because um, it, 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 it's, it's weird. It's like I can make something that I really want to see, but people want me to change it up because it could be too good or it could be too weird. Mm-hmm. And let me give you an example. So I made a film called Dark Moon Rising. Uh, originally, that movie was called Lay Le Wolf, L-E-S space wolf. First thing the distributor said was, what the hell is this? <laughs> like most of the distributors, right. we, we can't sell the movie called Way Wolf. You know, like that that's, doesn't make any sense. Okay, second thing all the distributors said was, why are people talking in their head I was like, you guys haven't seen anime? It's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's, just, it's right. just like anime. They're talking in their head Oh my God, it doesn't make any sense. Then the next thing was, okay, what is with the fantasy stuff going on? I was like, because it's like an anime, it's fantasy flashbacks. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Can you make it more wolfy? You know, can you do more like argh, horror stuff and drag them through the woods? I was like, we've seen them be drugged through the woods. You want me to do the same thing again? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it does really well for it. <laughs> you just drag them through the woods. I was like, well, I can't mm-hmm. really do that. So this movie is kind of what it is. Luckily, Keith at Uncourt came through and said, look, man, all right, you know what? We got to change the title from *Lay Wolf to Dark Moon, but okay, you can keep all, all that crazy shit you got going on. That's fine. And um the movie literally did like bananas on streaming and and you know, I had a shout out. I shouted out Kristen Stewart on on IndyWire, which IndieWire took down because they got bought up by a bigger company. Don't know why they took the article down. So, that really sucks, but mm. um if you Google, like, on IBT Times, you'll see, like, director, Christian Stewart, shout out, Darkman Robin So, I mean, the movie got so much energy, right? And then now all those distributors, mm-hmm. hey, so you, you make another movie like that? I said, no, no, I can't because that was just a one-time thing. So I'm able to make certain things, um, but, I, you know, you run into that side of it, and I think that's naturally with any business. But it, it's so odd, man, because um, now um, – we're in a position to where we can make something. And to be honest with you, I'm trying to figure out in what spaces we want to create, because we can create anything and anywhere. So we're trying to actually figure out what we want to have the most fun doing, you know, while we're here on this earth. What do we want to leave behind? Well, I think it's cool
1: um, that you got a chance to work with Eric Roberts on it, you know, like that's, that's, that's a big, big thing, you know, to have him like even e- on your r- poster.
0: Yeah, E Rob, oh. man. Um, uh, what were E Robb's on the cloth? Had Danny Trejo on the cloth when Danny Trejo was like he just did machete. So ah, uh, it was it was really on and popping, man. I think anytime you work with talented actors like like Eric Robertson, et cetera, man, it's like that that becomes a whole other animal. You know what I mean? Because they come on set mm-hmm. and you know they're not deaf, no bullshit. So as soon as they show up, that's not the day to not have craft services. That's not the day to to sort of, like, wing it, if you will. Um, that's not the day to not know the script back and forth because no matter what they do or what they've done, they're still named talent and they're professional and they've been working in the NFL for 30-plus years. So, Eric Roberts came to my set, and the first thing he said was, hey, pal, I don't understand what the uh, – and on Darkman Rise, I don't understand what Henrik's doing in this scene. Like, why won't he just fight the the vampires uh, – the werewolves, sorry. I was like, well, you know, because later on in the story, Henrik discovers that his daughter is actually a half-breed. Like, I'm just, I have to explain shit, you know, because he's not just going to say the lines because it sounds cool or because it's, it just is like this. He wants to know, what am I trying to say? What is what is his character's motivation? It, it's not just some simple, ooh, ah, ooh, and then call it a day. So, man, anytime mm-hmm. you come on set, you just have to be on your piece and cute. Because sometimes I don't even think about it like that. I just wrote something dope, and then I was like, all right, cool. You know, like I figured you'd get it, but you really need to explain it sometimes. So, yeah. I
1: I know how that is. Um, I mean, I've never worked with Eric Roberts, but uh, one day maybe, you know, um, when we have something. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, a real actor, you know, wants a little bit more than Mm – you know, just reading the scripts and saying, you know, like they they want to know that they're in the hands of a director who doesn't just you know doesn't just you know either write or direct what's going on that actually kind of mm-hmm. knows the ins and outs of of what his the character is doing like the backstory of the character or whatever you know what I mean like they want to know that you're you're going to give them whatever because otherwise you know what's the point right like um, exactly. You know what I mean? Because you all got to be on the same page, and you all got to um, – so, yeah, so that's awesome. Um, the other thing I was going to wonder about is um, – so, like, um, I mean, can you disclose a little bit about, like, how big the budget was for that? Um, my, my question about that is, like, did you guys have to have, like, trailers and stuff like that?
0: You know, those are always fun. Uh, for Dark Moon? No, uh, I think, I can't remember what the budget was. I just, I answered to more of the technical questions just in case. We didn't have to have a trailer, we had to have a private section for Eric. So, you know, something along the lines that would be deemed a trailer. It was in his contract. So let's say if there was no trail on set, because we shot that in the woods, like somewhere up north in California, where there would be very difficult to get like a honey wagon out there. But he had mm-hmm. to have what would be an equivalency of a trailer. So that this entire, I guess I want to say, like, guest house that was close to the house we shot in, well, that had to be hidden. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no one that could go to that. That's his place, his space. His manager was there. Angela Griffin came through with Cass, and she's awesome. Like, everything that had to happen was for him in that space, you know. And that's usually what you want to do. You just you take care of your talent.
1: Um that's Or, awesome.
0: again, you... You're doing some weird stuff, man, and it's not going to be a good – you just want to have a good reputation and a good vibe of being able to take care of you people. Oh, God. You know?
1: Yeah, like, if you, well, I mean, from the very beginning, you have, to, you have to do negotiations, and you have to, you know, you have to talk to the people, and you have to say, hey, look, this is, you know, this is uh, what I have to offer you, you know, and then they come back and they say, we like this, but that. You know, needs to be put in put mm-hmm. in here, and then uh, you have to provide that. If you don't provide that, then you're then you're going to be like, yeah, you're going to be screwed. As as was said, um, you know, like they're gonna you're going to get a bad reputation because the person like the, the the person's going to be like pissed. You know, the talent will be pissed that they were not taken care of. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I um, totally agree. So anyway, uh, moving on from from that particular story exactly, but I want to get into Elf because this is around Christmas time, And um, it is, I mean, most of these movies are on Amazon Prime, if not all of them. You know, like, you know, a bunch of your your films are on Amazon Prime. So if anybody wants to see them, they can go see them right now. Um,
0: uh, Amazon Prime, Hulu. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's on Hulu? Well, I think everything is on Hulu. I mean, uh, Alien Random Man oh. is on Hulu. Uh, Almost Amazing is on Hulu. Dawn Seeker, Elf. Uh, pretty much every movie we've done, I mean, we've been able to get them all distributed out. So, um, shouts out to, again, this great distributors, man. Viva Uncourt, this great guy. Dark Star Pictures. Everyone, man, just golden, high octane. Just great, 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 great people to work with. So, yeah, every movie we've done, um should be out and available so. That's awesome.
1: Um now, uh can you tell us a, a little bit more, because like, you talked a little bit about the cloth. Oh actually wait, wait, let's let's talk about elf now. Because that yeah, also got that's a fun, cool. yeah. that's out. You know, the elf right. is uh and and basically from what I what I understand is this is the first maybe only elf on a shelf horror movie, you know, right? Can you tell us a little bit about how Mm -hmm.
0: that came about? All right. So we have the first Elf, which is starring Natasha Halaby, Gay, Gabriel Hosteller, uh, Gabe Miller, and um, and Lassiter Holmes and Lisa May, J.D. Ellis. Um, The first Elf was essentially that. I think they came to me. um, The producers, uh, we sat down and said, man, you know, let's – Let's just do something fun. I mean, everyone, this elf on the shelf craze is going on, but we don't want to do just something elfy on the shelf. We really just want to kind of take the idea that an elf being bad would be good as a horror anecdote, you know, because we always had that theory, you know, the Chucky Child Play series and et cetera. So we really wanted to to give give a story behind it that would make make it a little fun, because I think Krampus sort of set that tone where we can have this this sort of evil Christmas uh, feel and vibe. So we didn't want to just do something simple, man. We had this thing where there's this chest that was passed down during a wild hunt, and in the chest, this toy maker was gifted an elf, and the elf helped him collect children's souls to help be uh, placed inside of the, the chest itself, right? And this guy named Nick, his it was his grandfather. They called him the toy maker, and he finds the elf. He inherits the toy shop, and the elf is in the chest. And when he unlocks the chest. He unleashes the elf, and then the elf goes on a killing spree. Um, and there's a naughty list, and it's essentially all the people that Nick loves that's on the, the on the checklist. And so we just thought we would have a lot of fun with that man. Like, how can we? And it's it's a little weird because. Um, when you're doing movies like that, and this is also something that's crazy, when you do a movie this way with elves and, and CGI, um, mm-hmm. it, it, you don't really know how that's going to turn out, technically speaking, because most people that are acting in these things, man, like this stuff is, it, its you give rope just because. Like, all right, if you go back and watch the original um, anything, like the, the 1980s versions of, of a movie. Let's just say, even, even, ex, uh, what is it? what's the damn movie? The Exorcism? The Exorcist? The Exorcist. If you go back and watch The Exorcist right now without context, and I just pop that movie in for people, because I'm a millennial. So you just pop that movie in for me, I'm probably going to laugh my ass off. You know what I mean? Because we've seen mm-hmm. so much of the peace suit sort of thing, and it looks so cheesy. And There's certain things that are like, oh, that's funny. You know, that's not real. Uh, some people be like, oh, no, it's still scary today. and And that, that is true, but if you really technically looked at it, you were like, oh, my God, this is clearly like something is in that bed. But you, you get what I'm going with that? So mm-hmm. um, things that we give that energy, now we've been spoiled as an audience. So when you do a movie, um, it's so hard. So, like, for example, we throw the, the practical elf, and people will have to fight with it. And then you see, it's like, well, okay, do you really want to see the practical elf? Like, you sort of struggling with this, toy animated thing, or do you want a CGI elf where you're struggling with the not real thing? Um, so it was hard. We did both in the movie because <laughs> I'm that kind of person. I was like, you know, I don't know which one of these works, so sorry, we're just going to do both. So we just did both of them. But it, it was just it was right. strange to see because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work, but the reason it doesn't work is different for different people. Like some people are like, oh, I love the practical part. I love the practical elf. Some people are like, dude, why is this why is this little toy thing being thrown around? Like I love the the CGI version. That looked more real, more scary. So, um we just have, <laughs> it's always hard to draw that balance when you're doing a film like this, man. So um that that was the first Elf and then now Elves, which was directed by Jamal Burden and me and Ku. we just came on as a producer because we want to give opportunities to other people. Uh Elves is essentially the follow up. Two elf. And if you see the first elf, you'll see that there's a cliffhanger. And the same elf is pretty much brought back. It's starring Deanna Grace Congo, Amy Jo Guthrie, Stephanie Marie Baggett, you know, uh, Vega, Melissa Vega, Lisa May. And so what it does is everyone has an elf that that, uh, that is doing evil stuff. So if you have an elf, you it's based off the of Seven Deadly Sins. So the the girl from okay. the first movie, Amy Jill has an elf. Hers hers is, is like like uh, wrath. Someone else has an elf. It's sloth. So each of these elves are pretty much wreaking havoc on this town for Christmas night. So it's like a repeat um, of the next Christmas, if you will. And so that's out now in the red box and it's out on Hulu. And I think Jamal did a great job, man. First time director. Um, again African American. Just wanted to try to get. Just love to say, hey, look, let's give some work to people who may not get an opportunity to direct something or produce something or have a budget of anything. So that's, that was, uh, that's, that's elves.
1: All right. So hopefully people run out to Redbox and, and pick it up right now. You, yeah. Right before Christmas, you know, that's the perfect time. Um, so let's, uh, I guess, you know, we've got about uh, fifteen minutes left of the show. Um, you know, and, and basically, this is show is off being live. You know, so people can hear it in the archives. You know, and go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to, um, I guess, uh, you know, before we get into like um, the, the the conclusion of this whole thing, is what have you like? What has been like the biggest like lesson
0: you've learned as a filmmaker? That's another great question, man. The lessons I've learned I've been hinting at it a little bit, so I wanna make sure I put it all together for everyone because most people that are either listening or, or learning, they, they hear a lot of the same thing. You know, it's almost like the same way, um, to skin a cat, you know, like it keeps being oh, I've heard this, I've heard that. I've heard just pick up a camera and just shoot. I've heard that it depends on who you know. I've heard, you know, um, it doesn't matter if you have what kind of camera? As long as you shoot something, I've heard horror movies are easy to sell, etc., etc., etc. I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I've learned, um, no matter what, and this is the one that is is so on the nose, but it, it makes more sense as you become more of an artist. Um, do what you see, because as someone that has vision, it's very difficult to explain vision to somebody. So if you see a movie and it's about you know killer gorilla monkeys um, or or like right. whatever uh, gorilla shark you know if you just really see that as as something then just do that movie and and do it the way you feel like you want to do it and um, now let me make sure I, I preface that what I've learned is don't do that movie and then try to make it something that fits the marketplace. So let me be specific. If I came to you and I said, hey, yo, Jonathan, let's do a movie. I got $10,000. I got $5,000. And you say, I got $5,000. And we both look at each other and say, well, what did you want to do? Oh, I want to do a movie called Gorilla Shark. Okay, we had to look at it and say, do we have enough resources to make Gorilla Shark? No. Well, then we didn't understand that we're just going to freaking make Gorilla Shark. Let's not then try to go, man, we spent $8,000 making this movie. But we need to throw Eric Roberts at it. Let's go raise eighty thousand. You get what I'm saying? Like don't don't try to now turn it into something because you heard from somebody the name, for example. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, I need to go throw a name in this. And now you turned what was Gorilla Shark and was a great vision into something that you're trying to put into the market. But it doesn't make any sense. So just do what you what you see. And if you if it doesn't work, it's at least what you saw. Now, don't do this thing, which is what I think most people do. Don't start off doing something, and then as you're about to start doing it, someone says, man, let me give you a lot more money to help you do that. And then you go, yeah, give me more money, because (laughs) let's make Gorilla Shark even better. It's like, no, you should probably not do that, because you really haven't thought it out as to, wait a minute, we need to put this in the marketplace. And so we probably should have called Eric before we started Girl, Girl. You get what I'm saying? Right. How that works yeah. out. And I think that becomes yeah. an issue for most most artists. Oh, I totally agree. I think, like,
1: uh, filmmakers today, uh, a lot of times they think, um, you know, I mean, a lot of them would, would love to have, like, more money, right? But the thing is, then you have to change everything to make it work for that money. You know, I mean, not necessarily, you know, casting wise or whatever, but like story wise, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it like, um, but see, here's, here's the thing that I, I think as a filmmaker and, um, you know, if I were to get more money, you know, say I were to make a movie like Gorilla Shark or whatever, and I wanted to do that. More money would mean that I would be able to pay people for their work instead of using everybody for free because most of the time that's what you do. I don't know, in L.A., it's probably harder to get people to do stuff for free. Um, But I'm sure in, like, you know, small towns and everything, uh, especially in Virginia, a lot of people will work for for free if they believe in in the project or they believe in you as a filmmaker or, you know, whatnot. Um, So when, you know, somebody comes up and says, hey, I'll give you more money, that means that I can, you know, pay people for their work as well as maybe put in some more money for for, you know, the project itself, you know, putting some more visual effects in there that, you know, might you know, I might have not been able to do before. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need more than fifteen minutes to unwrap that one. Uh but, but I, I would say this, I agree with you and I think the reason that this becomes hard, but it's not really that difficult, it it's just like it's just like dating what are we really saying? You see what I'm trying to say? If I go downtown mm-hmm. right now and I'm and I'm out and I'm I'm cruising and I go into a club and I am have my mind set on I'm just trying to find somebody um, that I want to talk to just tonight, just tonight. Let's say I want to strike a conversation. We don't even have to take it to anywhere dark. I just want to have a conversation with somebody tonight because I'm stressed out, I'm depressed. I just want to talk to somebody. Well, then – that's a different kind of movie. If we're talking about movies where and I'm using it obviously relating into dating, someone I wanna get to know a little bit better. Because I see that there could be a potential future, that's a different kind of movie. If I'm talking mm-hmm. about someone that I think is gonna be there for the long haul, then that's a different kind of movie. So I think what happens is like I'm casting something right now. And and this is the pro the, this is the problem I think most people get caught up in uh, especially creative people, there isn't enough money to really pay you for your creativity and there is no price point that's high or low enough because you set your value. So if you set your value, then that that's a, a slippery slope because I would do, and this is how weird the world is, I would do uh, The Walking Dead if I spoke for free, right? Like if they can't eat right now, they The mm-hmm. Walking Dead's casting, but we need you to just come on. I mean, we're not paying you shit. Just come on. You're going to sit next to Rick. You guys are going to do all kind of crazy stuff. AMC's doing it. Well, what's the pay? It's free. No one's going to bat an eye. You know why they're not going to bat an eye? Because they're going to think to themselves, okay, the value in this is I'm on AMC's Walking Dead. It's number one show. Hmm. Why worry about getting, what, 100 bucks, 200 What's the, What's the matter? I'm going to speak. Oh, my God. Bigger opportunities around the horizon. But see how that works when it comes from AMC. Now let me say that and it sounds oh <laughs> I don't know right. what do you mean? <laughs> what, are you what do you mean about? I'm not going to so get paid for this low budget
1: independent yeah, movie? I'm
0: not um, going to get paid for this. So then you, you have to look at what that what they're really saying and it. I don't see the value in what you're saying. I see the value in AMC's project because I see the potential. I don't see your potential. And so, it, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that you need to do mm-hmm. anything for any price. I'm explaining it the exact way I said it. It's, it's weird because, again, you as Jonathan may actually have more value in in regards to where you're going than an AMC. Because once they cancel the walking dead, yeah, you're on it, and that's cool, great. But, I mean, there's so many shows. I can go on True Blood. You know where everybody is from that. Probably not. Um, Lost. I mean, do you see how high those people were riding? And then now... You see what I'm saying? Like, and, right. and that goes with, it's like, uh, there's no shade on the people. I'm just trying to say, like, at the time, you couldn't probably touch them. You know, I couldn't even call anyone from Lost um, because it was so popular. But now, 10, 15 years removed, the show is not as popular. Just any show. You can name a show. It doesn't matter what it is. Pippi Longstocking. It doesn't matter the show. Entourage. I'm just explaining. Yeah, Entourage. I mean, again, you, could, you, you couldn't touch the now it's like, oh, I haven't seen that person in so long. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, and it's not like mm-hmm. a knock on their career to say, well, who are these people? I'm explaining the price ranges were up. And this goes with basketball players and you go with sports. You couldn't touch a guy when he was hitting 60 home runs a game and bringing in people to the seats. Now he's averaging, you know, 15 or 10 home runs and maybe on his way out of the league. It just is what it is. There's no I'm not trying to talk about anyone in particular, any show in particular. I'm explaining a, a dialogue and a narrative. That follows it. So when it comes down to getting more money, again, it doesn't increase the value, I think. I don't think. I think, again, it goes back to what kind of movie were you making. That's why I used Gorilla Shark. If you were making Gorilla Shark from jump, then you were doing that as a project you saw. So, you know, you're trying to elevate that to the next level. It's like unless you really felt that hard about, that strong about Gorilla Shark, then you probably shouldn't have started doing it at, at five grand. You see what I mean? Then maybe we should have put five right. grand into script. Design. Maybe we should have said, "Hey, let's take this five grand and go do a pilot, uh, teaser, or some type of sizzle and raise money on Kickstarter." You know, I really love this script. You, you see what I'm trying to say? I got new people. Yeah,
1: you don't want that. to change this. You don't want to change the movie because you got more money. Because then it's just not going to be the same. It's going to be a completely yeah. different.
0: You know, different. And,
1: it's, and it's not, it's not going to, yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying too. And then, yeah, that goes with any kind of money. So you should, you know, if if you believe strongly that, that Gorilla Shark will be an amazing movie, uh, if it had $50,000, then you should raise $50,000. Um, if you, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, we can give you more than your $5,000, then you should say, hey, wait. You know, let me – I've got another project that will do better with that money. Um, is that what you're saying,
0: basically? There you go. That's kind of what I'm saying. Okay. Well, you need to take All your right. awesome. back to the board. Yeah. Take it back to the board and say, look, guys, this is getting further than we thought. I, and, again, it's when people get into their feelings and, and make mistakes trying to, trying to fit something. Definitely. It. It's just not smart.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Um so how can people reach you social media wise?
0: Oh, rock and roll, man. I'm Justin, J U S C I N, P R I C J-U-S-T-I-N-P-R-I-C-E-X-X on Instagram. So that's Justin Price X on Instagram. And Facebook is just Justin Price single X. It's the letter X. Um, so that's where I am most of the time. Uh on Facebook on the gram. And that's where everyone can find me. Please add me follow. You don't you don't I you do don't have a Twitter yet? I do have a Twitter. I just I'm never on it, man. I think it's Justin Price X on Twitter as well. Um I've actually but, been tweeting a lot more
1: lately. Um, really? than I've even been facebooking. Um it's weird um because uh I used to hate Twitter and mm-hmm. um because I always felt like Twitter was like more for like celebrities and, and, you know what I mean? Like, people they talk about, like, who they're bumping into right now, you know, or something, you know what I mean? Like, something, like, I just walked down the street, tweet, you know, that was what I, you know what I mean? That's what I used to think of it. But it, it's become this, like, place where I could reach people that I've never thought I could reach, that they don't, they don't go to Facebook for some reason or another. They come to Twitter and I've been going. Whoa, this is this is crazy. So, I I do suggest if if anybody's a filmmaker or whatever, tweet more, go to Twitter more, get more followers on there, because um you can really find some amazing people on there that will, you know, as long as you tweet at them and you retweet them or whatever, they will they will communicate with you, and even if they don't follow you, they're they're in a way following you. You know, they know what you're doing. Gotcha. So um. I had a. Uh, I'll just tell you this before we leave. I had a guy who, because I do a, a, a few podcasts, and one of them is a writers podcast. And I had, um, uh, I had a writer guy who I guess heard my podcast, and you know said, you know, was talking to me in a tweet, and actually said, "Hey, let me, uh, you know, we should talk about this on your podcast." So I was like, "I didn't even know he knew I had one." Like, wasn't paying attention to me, you know? <laughs> but they, they wow. do if you, you know. Like big bigger people will come on your shows and and do and your movies and stuff if you um, if they know who you are from twi- Twitter. So it's it's really cool. It's a it's a really neat thing. But um, we got to go. Um, thank you so much, everybody. Check out Elves. Uh, what other pro- uh, projects are out there that people
0: can oh, the uh, check TV out? John out. Francisca Schistler. please check that out. And Koo. Cool. Oh man, it's an amazing film. So that's available now. Amazon Prime, Hulu. Uh, Video on Demand, uh, Almost Amazing's Out, starring starring, uh, Tori Hart, you know, um, just unique. It's just a lot of Alexander Alexander, Taylor Carter. So I got, you know, man, hey, just go check the IMDB out, man. A lot of films are available right (laughs) now, so. All right. Well, thank
1: you so much, and you're more than welcome back um, uh, next year because that's when we will be back on the show most likely. Um, so sometime awesome. next year We can definitely have you back on And uh, talk about all the stuff that you're up to After that you know. Um, awesome,
0: awesome, so. thank you so much Happy holidays you and the family
1: Alright, you too man, have a good one
0: <laughs> Alright,
1: bye Alright, bye Well everybody, that was Justin Price Thank you guys for listening And tune in next year um, Unless we do a show Next week, which I don't think we are But you never know Um, So thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoyed the show. Have a good one. Bye.